your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to uh, Wednesday. It's uh, the day before the anniversary of the insurrection. Representative Jill Billings is going to join me shortly, probably in a minute, less than a minute. The countdown begins. I talk about a whole slew of things. Kicking off the new year, what's what she got on the docket? What has the Assembly got on the docket besides uh, investigating an election that happened in 2020? And uh, maybe we'll talk about cats. Should we talk about cats three days in a row? Cat Talk Radio, Lacrosse Cat PM, Cat Talk PM, rename the show. Uh, the the uh, the committee yesterday, the Judiciary and Administration Committee. It's one of the two big committees. There's another big committee meeting tomorrow, but it's in the year. They kind of start slow, so there's not going to be a ton of. Uh, you just kind of ease into the year, I think, with these committees. But we did yesterday have a big cat issue and we talked about it yesterday on the show they passed the uh committee legislation to essentially create what's called community cats where the humane society will uh catch feral cats immunize them spay or neuter them fix them right fix and uh clip their ear and put them back out on the streets even if it's negative five degrees out guess better than killing them that's what they're doing now euthanizing them all right, Jill Billings is, is joining me. Jill, Jill, we're doing Cat Talk Radio today. Do you just want to keep the – I've been talking cats the last two days. You want to keep that, keep that up? <laughs> I have some experience with my daughter's cat. <laughs> yeah, have you, seen, have you seen the committee that passed this legislation that will allow feral cats to be re-released on the streets instead of uh, euthanizing them? Oh, no. I, um, I, when I was on the uh, lacrosse board of health, this was a huge issue for us, though, feral cats. Really, I think the best thing is to catch and then, if you know, neuter them and release. Yeah, that's what they're going to do. They're going to, instead of, uh, I think the Cooley Region Humane Society euthanizes them now. Um, and then that just allows other feral cats to move into the territory. Uh, so they're going to vaccinate them. And it's odd, though. We never, we never question vaccinating these cats and whether that's real, if that's... Uh, but we are also microchipping the cats. Maybe they're doing that all in one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> I just came up with that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, they're clipping their ears, vaccinating them uh, for rabies, hmm. and then uh, fixing them, neutering, spaying, and then putting them back on the streets, which uh, I will – I'm trying to get some bird advocates on to talk about feral cats and yeah. birds. So Yeah, it's a problem. It all is right. a problem. I, I read about that sometimes about – neighbors who are upset about other neighbors who let their cats out and and pretty soon the cat wanders over to the bird feeder and is hunting there yeah it's yeah. a problem the uh the legislation too calls it community cats uh it doesn't mention the word feral at, at all so i thought that was kind of i thought that was a little shady that's like the uh Interesting. that's like the tourism tax which sounds great for us that live in lacrosse oh tourists yeah we'll tax them and then when you see that the bill that is in the state legislature right it's just a tax on Lacrosse County for what point one percent. Do you remember that a couple of years ago? Yes, I do. I remember it well. You know, another thing to take into account with the feral cat situation is winters are really hard on the cats. The feral cats that live outside, it's really hard on them. So it's that's a difficult issue. Yeah. All right. Three days in a row I talked about cats, and we'll definitely talk about them. Uh, well, maybe not tomorrow. I don't know. I'm having Sarah Godlewski on tomorrow, so I don't know if she'll want to talk cats. Um, 
All right, we can actually get into some other stuff. I, it's it's a thing going through. It's going to be in the council meeting next Thursday, so uh, it, it should be. We should be informed. I think. Um, all right, and I'm a, I'm like an animal guy, so even though this doesn't seem like me being an animal advocate, I'm advocating for birds, not feral cats in this in this sense. Um, what do you want to talk about first? We could talk uh, state stuff. It's 2022. Brad Williams in the newsroom just came in here and he goes, ask Jill if she's going to do anything this year or if anyone in the assembly is going to do anything this year because it's an election year. I'm going to I'm going to blame Brad for that question uh, because you all be campaigning soon, right? Yeah, well, I'm hoping that my uh, we t- last time we talked, we talked about the bill I have that would increase the penalty for fent- for dealing fentanyl and bringing it up to a parity with uh, heroin. And I'm hoping that that actually is going to pass and be signed into law. So I'm still working on that bill and some other bills that I have. Um, but it's true, we end early this year because everybody wants to be out campaigning. So the second year is always a shorter year. When... Um... When when we do that, I don't know. I don't know if you call it vacation or you say end early, um, because when I talked to Ron Kind about this, when they go home from D.C., they go back to you know their constituents. Essentially, they're they're doing work from home. Then essentially from the third district for you, it would be I forget what district you're in. Ninety four. Ninety fifth. Damn it. Ninety five. Ninety five. Um, so when you come back from Madison, you're always working. I'm like, I feel like the amount of quote unquote vacation that our senators are. Congress people get, we should make that the federal rule. Whatever days off you get for vacation, everybody gets that. We'll make that. Put that in Biden's Build Back Better plan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you could try. I I, I mean, you could try to get that going. I got to say, for me, I'm hoping to be busy this summer in Madison in the district because I'm hoping my summer study committee is accepted, uh, the one that's looking at early childhood education, and um, helping solve that, some of the problems surrounding that issue, so we can make sure that we have more people in the workforce and give parents some help finding child care for their kids in Wisconsin. Um, I'm also on several commissions, like the Building Commission that looks at state buildings like uh, UW Campus and other uh, state parks and other buildings. That's going to be meeting. That meets every other month, so whether or not we're in election cycle that still meets the historical society board of curators still meets the state council of um, alcohol and other drug abuse still meets and of course the child abuse and neglect prevention board where i chair their legislative subcommittee and i'm on the exec committee that still meets so um the committee well the committee meetings kind of the standing committees and the assembly don't meet as often i find myself on a lot of those statewide committees that you know, still be meeting and working. Um, so I'm I'm doing both. I'm doing a hybrid of doing some work in Madison and hopefully also more time in my district. All right, that's Representative Jill Billings in the 95th district, right here in La Crosse County or in La Crosse. And then uh, what do you say? Uh, you have some of Campbell, some of the town of Campbell. I can't remember. I have, yep, I have the entire town of Campbell out on French Island and part of Shelby. Part of right Shelby now, no. but with, with new maps. That could all change oh. in the next election. Oh, we'll get into that, Jill. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Jill Billings in, well, I was going to say in studio. She's in spirit here. She's on the phone with me. She's the, uh, represents the 95th District of the State Assembly. Been doing that, what do we say now, what, 11 years, Jill, or 12? It must be 11 and this uh, is the 12th. I think it's 10. 
10 years. I, I started, I only had one year in my first term in office uh, because I won with a special election. So uh, this is, I just finished my 10th year. Okay. Well, congrats. A decade. Did you think you'd be doing yeah. it for a decade? You know, I, the thing is, I really like this job. There have been some other opportunities that have opened up, but, um, you know, when you really like the work, I really love serving the 95th. There are good people here. This is a great part of the state. And um, even when I was visiting my mom over Christmas, there's one day where I, I was like, I miss my work. I miss, I miss home. And she said, well, that's a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when it's not when it's not work, so to speak, when it's uh, when it's fun, uh, even if it's not. I don't know how fun it is. Like, there's. Uh, do you want to get into? Um, well, okay, let's just get into this. We were talking about um, your district a little bit. It's there's there's uh, redistricting coming, and the state supreme court is is kind of gave some rules in that they they said that this the redistricting process can't move the district lines too much. You can't move people a whole lot. Uh, which seems opposite of what happened a decade ago. I guess. I guess. What's your take on what the state supreme court said about redistricting? Yeah, I, I, you're exactly right. Uh, um, ten years ago, when the Republicans drew the map that we're currently serving under, um, they did not take into account um, how districts would be affected, how, how people in Wisconsin would be affected by the change in district. Um, they really created districts that would guarantee them a large majority in the Assembly and in the Senate for the next 10 years. And they said that quite publicly. Um, so they created a resolution in the Assembly and Senate Adjoints Resolution that said that they wanted a least change approach uh, as they looked at maps and, and the future. And the problem with that is what we have to do then is we look at the most some of the most gerrymandered maps in the nation and we're supposed to look at those and use the least changed approach and create new maps. Well, that means we're probably going to have gerrymandered maps going forward. So, you know, the governor tried to do something different with the People's Maps Commission where people got to weigh in and, and hopefully choose their legislators instead of legislators choosing the people that they want to represent. Um, and this is it's all in the courts now. So we'll see by March we'll have maps. Um, but we'll we'll see what happens in the courts. Yeah, I think it's funny that I, I think over all these processes, the the government, the the way we draw the maps, they've never come to a consensus between Democrats and Republicans. It's all, except for ten years ago, it's always been done by the courts. Before that, that should be a red flag. Hey, if the courts every year for forty years have to draw the maps, maybe we're not doing it right, and maybe we should just come up with a system where it takes all the politics out of it. I'm in favor of that. I've been in favor of that for 10 years. Every year I've been in office, uh, the Democrats have proposed different ways of keeping politicians out of it as much as we can, maybe having um, nonpartisan retired judges uh, picking the districts. Um, there are different plans that other states have used. That I mean, that's the Iowa model. There are different plans that other states have used that we proposed, and I've been in support of all of them. I really think it's important for politicians to kind of keep their hands out of that. So, you know, we'll see going forward. It'll be one thing that's interesting is that even if, um, say, somehow uh, we come up with maps that are more fair, um, in January 2023, if 
Republicans have the legislature and the governor's office, they could propose a whole new set of maps, and we go through it all over again. So I think it's—I don't think anything is settled for a while now with, with maps. Uh, we're speaking with Representative Joe Billings. Um, your your district, the 95th, is going to grow by land, I think, a little bit because. And then, is Steve Doyle's going to shrink? Is there any? Do you see any like big cha- possible changes with the district? Well, yes. I've um, when you look at the census, um, I've lost a few hundred. My district has gotten smaller, and and I think there's been more growth up in the Holman area. So there's been more growth in. Steve Doyle's district. I'm not actually sure in Oldenburg's district in the 96th down south. I'm not sure what his what's happened with his district, but um, so I'll probably gain area. Um, but you know, there are a lot of different maps out there. There are a lot of different things that could happen. Um, so you know, just going forward, we'll see. I'll. Um, be happy to take a look and then um, serve whoever I serve. The problem is it's hard. Like, if I would lose part of my district to the 96th or the 94th, you know, when you serve people for 10 years and knock on all the doors and and have public hearings and meetings with them, it's you hate to lose anybody. <laughs> you really do because you get attached to each part of your district. But I'll, I'll serve depending on, you know, wherever I, I am. Now, you said, uh, that, you know, one of the systems that we could have is have old retired judges uh, draw the maps, create the maps, however however that would work. Would we have Michael Gableman be one of those judges? <laughs> I certainly hope not. He hasn't, he hasn't really shown himself to be a great uh, sort of nonpartisan judicial character in the last several months in Wisconsin, unfortunately with the work that he's done with his uh, so-called independent probe. Um, You know, that, I I actually had some hope when I knew that there was pressure on Robin Voss to do something, right? There was pressure from some members of his own party. There was pressure from uh, the Trump federal organization. When you you get into a private jet with Donald Trump, (laughs) there is... (laughs) (laughs) How much more pressure do you need? What what did they talk about? Exactly. I'd love to. I'd love to have been a, a little uh, fly on the wall there. But um, but when when Gableman and two retired sheriffs were appointed, I was, you know, I was thinking, well, maybe this will put it to rest once and for all. Well, unfortunately, Gableman staffed up with people who you know were already Trump aligned, and some were conspiracy theorists. He, uh, it came out that he had made previous comments that the election was already stolen, um, and so that as that information started coming out, the two retired sheriffs they they disappeared from the scene. They said we don't want part in this, and it was kind of Gableman leading them. And this has gone on and on and on. And I've heard from Democrats and Republicans in my district who have said we're tired of taxpayer money being spent on this on this so-called probe when we know that there have been three audits that have shown that there was nothing that would have changed the results of the election. Biden won the elections because he had the votes. And, and, and then, 
And if you go, go be, if you go beyond that, I know we could we could dive into Gable. But I don't. I, I I think a lot of people don't even understand what he's doing, and I'm not even going to pretend. Maybe you don't even understand what he's doing, except perpetuating a thing to help Republicans get fired up, as if something happened that didn't happen, so that they go to the the polls. But it might even fire up Democrats. I think. Well, we'll see. I mean, I think I think that's certainly what it looks like. It looks like he's just dragging this out and. And I, I think it's, I don't think they're going to, I don't know how they'll find anything. As I said, there's already been three independent audits of the election. Even Kathy Bernier, Senator Bernier, who's a Republican, who was a clerk herself before she was elected to office, I mean, she has said it's time for this probe to end. There was nothing, there was no wrongdoing by any election officials um, that would have changed any results here. And so why are we making this go on and on, and are we going to be appropriating more taxpayer dollars to this now? I mean, when is the end? Yeah, I'm Robin sure. Voss should just, if if you want to be, if it should just be part of his salary that goes into that, and then we'll see how long it goes. Um, when, yeah. Sticking with elections a little bit, the, the Wisconsin Election Commission, now Republicans, I believe, in the Assembly. I don't know if it's just all Republicans want to dissolve that. This is a thing that they created, the Wisconsin Election Commission, after they dissolved the GAB, the Government Accountability Board, under Scott Walker. Um, and then they want, I guess, I don't really understand. They just want the S- Secretary of State to handle elections because that, then it's totally partisan. They went from nonpartisan to three versus three, three Republicans versus three Democrats, I believe is how that is, uh, which means that they're just going to butt heads on every issue and, and tie three to three. And now they want to they want to get rid of the other thing that they created every what every five years. We're going to create something new because we're not happy with elections. That's how it looks, isn't it? I mean, how pathetic is that where uh, I think it was 10 years ago, maybe nine years ago, eight years ago, they weren't happy with um, the way things were going, so they decided that they were going to change and create the Wisconsin Elections Commission. It's their created entity, right? And they even have um, some members that were that I've served with in the Assembly who are on that Elections Commission now who were good Republicans, and and now new Republicans in the Assembly are saying they want to they want to arrest these people or find these people and and they're eating their own over this it's just it's amazing the extreme things that we're hearing from some some republicans in the assembly not all but there's a there's a, a vocal pocket of republicans that are just so extreme it's it's hard to imagine that we're here now and um, so, yeah, that's what they like to do. They want to get rid of the Wisconsin Elections Commission. I am. I, I think it's interesting that after the insurrection, or after the election, um, when Trump lost, um, they were, there was effort on some of his allies to look at the states where they felt like there was split government or Republican-controlled governments, people who might be sympathetic to them. And they, I mean, there's proof that they put pressure on, on secretaries of state in those, I'm thinking specifically Georgia, and other states where they wanted a change in the election results. They wanted more votes found for Trump. And um, I think it's, I, I'm nervous about going down that road of Secretary of State um, having such impact 
I, I think that our current process works um, better. And unless there is proof that there was some wrongdoing with our current process, I'm not in, for, in favor of changing it. And there has not been proof that has come forward yeah, and that the, says that there has been a, pro, a problem with the process of how we do elections in Wisconsin. I mean, our clerks, I know so many of our clerks because they come to Madison for their annual meeting and they learn, they are all together and they're learning about new election laws and things like that. These are our neighbors. These are people who like to cross their T's and dot their I's. These are not. These are people who have integrity. And I have faith in our election clerks. All right. That's Representative Jill Billings in the Assembly representing the 95th District. We'll return with Jill after this. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608 785 7914. If you want to text Jill Billings, representative in the Assembly of the 95th District here in Lacrosse. Let me see if I get it right. Campbell and parts of the town of Shelby, right, Jill? You got it. And That's we it. were we were talking on the over the break here. So, um, you know, you you represent the area. This is a lacrosse talk show, and um, I don't know how much good it does to talk about the insurrection or the Gableman fight in Madison. You're you're right. You're part of that mix, so it's important to get your perspective there. But then really does it's out of people in lacrosse's hands. I feel like I, what can we do about gerrymandering? What can we do about the Michael Gableman investigation? What can we do about all this stuff that happens in Madison that that I don't you know it's like Robin Voss is doing that. So except maybe complain to you, but you're you're right there. So and I don't even know how much of that is out of your hands. Well, I always appreciate when people contact my office about how they feel because I collect those stories and the numbers of people that contact me. So when I talk to people in Madison or give speeches on the floor or doing work in committees, I can use that information that this is what I hear from lacrosse. And then I can share that with everyone. So I think I always appreciate it when people contact my office. Um, The other thing is this week I just uh, saw a letter from a Republican in my district who had sent a letter to Robin Voss, and then he copied me in on the letter because he wanted me to see it, too. So I know that some of the folks in my district are sending letters directly to Voss saying, stop spending taxpayer dollars on this probe that's not needed. And when you say letters, are you just, is it the, the best way to get a hold of you and just so you can have a record of that? Is it, is it just, can they Facebook message you? Can they at tweet you? Or is it best to jump on your website and find your email address? What's the, I mean, I know there's a best way, but are all the, what ways are good? Yeah, email, email is good. That's probably the easiest for a lot of people. Um, there are people who still write to my office. And so I always appreciate getting letters too. Um, and sometimes people call the office. There are people who, who will call and, you know, say, you did a good job with that, or um, I want the representative to look at this. We've had a lot of calls in the last year and a half. Uh, people, you know, that needed help with their unemployment benefits. Um, and my office did a lot of work on, on that with people during COVID when people were laid off because of COVID. All right, we'll do one more thing that doesn't seem very productive, but it's the day before the anniversary of January 6th. Uh, I heard that you were in the Capitol creating a ruckus, Jill. I don't know if that's true, though. <laughs> I actually have visited the Capitol in the past, and I went with my kids several years ago and toured the Capitol, and so I was surprised when uh, Senator Ron Johnson said that on January 6th it just looked like tourists in the Capitol. I can tell you from personal experience, 
what I saw on TV was not what I had experienced when I went with my kids at all. So that was ridiculous. Um, but no, I, I, um, I was, I was here. I remember seeing on TV what happened and being um, quite startled. And then some of that, unfortunately, went to state houses and, you know, the legislators, legislatures throughout the states. And um, there were some questions about things like that happening in our in Wisconsin. But people in Wisconsin really kept it under control. And so people expressed their opinions, which they absolutely have a right to do. But um, there was no violence. Yeah, and and when you see that stuff on TV, I guess the the the, the aftermath of that, even the I don't know, are you paying a lot of attention to what the committee is doing now with January sixth and and some of that, or is that just too busy for you to keep track of all the things? A little bit. I started watching um, again over the holidays a little bit when I had a little extra time. Okay. Um, all right. So let's let's ditch all that stuff because it's just it's a like it's hard to deal it's hard to deal with because it's a, it seems like I said a little out of our hands. Um, let's go into some lacrosse issues. The, the, the Wisconsin Department of Transportation, the DOT, they kind of abandoned the north-south corridor, the Lacrosse River Marsh Road. Uh, and did, you, did you have uh, anything to do with that, and what was your opinion on that? I, I'll tell you, that was, one of the, that was one of the highlights of this last year for me. It was very exciting uh, to sit down with the DOT when they said, all right, this is it, we've got a new compromise plan. Um, because really we had kind of held that at bay. I had, and, and other people, legislators and um, advocates and community members had held that in bay, I think, since 1996. Um, so it was, the problem is, and this is a little complicated, but this project was a big project, so it was in the large project bucket under the DOT funding. And so there was money that was set aside for this, and it was just kind of sitting on the shelf, this project. Uh, but the people in La Crosse overwhelmingly did not want it. Um, the great thing is that instead of losing that money um, and just totally getting rid of everything, what the DOT did is come up with a win-win plan. Um, I really have to thank Craig Thompson, the Secretary of the Department of Transportation under Governor Evers, um, who, who got the message and said, look, we we understand that there needs to be improvements in your area on those um, corridors. So what we can do is instead of building a new road or increasing lanes, what we can do is make help make traffic run more efficiently and more safely and also add some uh, bike ped accommodations. And that's really, I think, what a lot of people in the area wanted. And this idea of a road through the marsh and through our vulnerable neighborhoods was not not really what people wanted, and so it was it was a great moment when we um, called together the bike ped folks and people from the um, from the marsh a group friends of the marsh and the neighborhood association groups the livable neighborhoods groups and talked to them and and they said this sounds great you know sounds like a great alternative and so we got the funding. So we're able to improve intersections and improve the roads, um, but we don't have to go through the marsh. Are we? Are we making? When you say improve the roads, what do you? What do you? What do they mean? What do you mean? There, is it just uh, we're gonna we're gonna fill the potholes, or are we gonna we're gonna expand the roads a little bit? Just to, like people in Alaska and in the South Side, they want to get to the other side of town a lot faster. I say we're spoiled here a lot because 
go live in Madison or Minneapolis or Milwaukee and try to get around at rush hour. Here it's like an extra what four minutes. Uh, but but yeah, what what do you think when you when you say improve the roads? What do you mean? Yeah, well they they might be putting in some roundabouts. They might be um, putting in some turn lanes. Um, they'll be um, resurfacing, improving some of the roads that need to be improved. Um, so uh, there's not a, a an exact specific mm-hmm. um, plan right now that, but that will come, and then that will be unveiled to the public, like like other plans that the DOT has come up with, and they'll um, they'll have comment um, opportunities for the public, so they can the public can look at actually what's going to be done. And I think it's going to be a really good in- investment in our infrastructure here, including Lacrosse Street. Finally, yeah that that was That's on exciting. the that was on the calendar for next year. When and when you say they just abandoned yeah. this plan, so they're like, okay, we're going to abandon this plan. They got to come up with a new plan. That makes sense. It's going to take a little bit of time. Do you think it'll be twenty five years before they 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 enact it? No, no, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, they they know that this has been this has been uh, waiting, and and they want to get they want to get moving on it, but. Uh, Lacrosse Street, yeah, Lacrosse Street will uh, hopefully be done 2022. That's what that's what I've heard. They, I haven't gotten an exact date, um, but a lot of people have been wanting that to be fixed. When Joe Biden visited Lacrosse, were you disappointed that he went through Minnesota to get to the uh, South Side instead of going like perhaps <laughs> over Lacrosse Street to go? Hey, Joe, infrastructure, you're doing it today. Here's the road, you know, as they're driving down Lacrosse Street. Uh, it was kind of funny that they went through Minnesota. Uh, well, I will tell you that there were a group of legislators in the city of La Crosse for a, uh, it was for the water task force, the water quality task force had a meeting in La Crosse. Big group of legislators from Madison, Republicans and Democrats, and we did a kind of a trip on a bus up to see some um, work that's being done kind of upstream on water quality. And as we, the bus driver took us down La Crosse Street, that bus was really, you know what it's like on, on La Crosse Street, and that bus was really uh, going up and down, and people were kind of getting bounced around in their seats, and one of the legislators looked back at me and said, what's wrong with your roads? And I'm like, well, we got to fund them. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the governor has. And so that's, uh, I think that's made people uh, uh, happier with that situation. Now, on the south side, part of the DOT plans also, along with Lacrosse Street, is to put roundabouts in. And I like the idea because I get really mad just the road rage that grows when I hit every light trying to get to the south side of Lacrosse when I'm headed to like Stoddard. Uh, you know, I get a little road rage when I hit every light. So a lot of those lights will be dissipated and into roundabouts, which is great. But, you know, with, with everything that's happening and money being tight, is this the best time to spend millions of dollars on roundabouts? Well, the. When I talked with the DOT, I, I, I kind of had some questions about about some of those, um, like kind of like you did too. But is it the right time? Well, you know, you gotta you gotta deal with your traffic issues, and clearly, people in certainly in the governor's election were talking about. I think he, the phrase he used was "fix the damn roads," and so I, I think people have expressed that as a priority. And so that's what, um, you know, he, he put money in the budget and a lot of that money went through. And so we gotta, we gotta do what the people want.
Yeah, I, I, I could do weeks and weeks of shows about fix the bleeping roads and uh, nobody would complain. So I shouldn't complain when the roads are getting fixed. I guess nobody should complain about it uh, because everybody complains when they aren't fixed. Um, um, moving on to you talked about water quality. So French Island, Campbell, um, this is I think we're coming up. I think a couple of days might be the one year anniversary where people on French Island were told, hey, you're going to be on bottled water. And then, you know, it was a couple of months, maybe a couple of weeks ago that the DNR said, hey, you're going to be on bottled water indefinitely, which to me seems crazy. Like, why? What is the plan for getting the, uh, you know, I don't know if you can get, quote unquote, the PFAS out of, I don't know why I quoted that. I don't know if you can get the PFAS out of the groundwater, but you could certainly do something to get Campbell off bottled water, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think the people of, the town of Campbell have to, they have to be number one involved in this issue and they have to decide what they want to do. There, there are some options, you know, people are mostly in private wells out there. And so some people have expressed uh, wanting to be on a water system uh, comes from on Alaska. Um, some people want water that comes from La Crosse. There's already some infrastructure out there from the city of La Crosse. I know there have been decades of sort of back and forth and some mistrust between the town of Campbell and La Crosse. So first and foremost, the people in the town of Campbell have to decide what they want, what they want, what they want to do, who they want to work with on this issue. Um, you asked if it's possible to get PFAS out of the water. I know up in Eau Claire where they've had an issue with an industrial site and also their airport and uh, firefighters training with uh, the foams that contain PFAS that they've done some work of flushing out systems. I don't, our situation may not be the same as Eau Claire's. So um, I think the uh, this is, we need a long-term fix out on town of Campbell, out in the town of Campbell, though. And and I, they need assistance for that. That's, that's going to be a big expenditure for them. Um, but, yeah, those people can't be drinking bottled water indefinitely. Unfortunately, the... There has not been the will in the state legislature to address this the way it needs to be addressed. Some legislators want to wait. They want the federal government to set the standards. They want the federal government to address it. I think there are some things that we need to do on a state level. I don't think we can wait for the federal government to set standards. That's going to take years. The process is long and involved. I think we can set standards, and we need to set standards in Wisconsin. There needs to be more funding for testing. Uh, there needs to be funding for uh, remediation for people. Um, we And the governor had a lot of that included in his budget. Well, We've introduced what? it. I've supported it as standalone legislation since it got cut out of the budget by Republicans on the Joint Finance Committee. But um, we have to address this, and it's we're seeing the tip of the iceberg. And I've made a, a couple impassioned speeches on the floor about this and talked to a lot of legislators one-on-one in the Capitol that this is the tip of the iceberg. I mean, now Rib Mountain has also, up kind of outside the Wausau area, also has issues with PFAS. So we know Eau Claire, La Crosse, uh, Dane County with Truax Field, up at Rib Mountain. More places are going to be popping up and popping up. The governor agrees with me. This is not just in these small areas. It's up Marinette Peshtigo. It's been found first. But this is this is going to be appearing all over our state. We have to address this now. There's urgency here. Why, Jill, why, when the governor puts $25 million into a multi-step plan to battle PFAS in the state, 
Why did why do Republicans cut that out of the state budget? Is that because they can take credit for it with standalone bills later? But we haven't even seen those standalone bills. So when Governor Evers wants twenty five million dollars to battle PFAS, the gov- the Republicans cut it out and say you get one million dollars. Well, I think I think it's a there are different reasons why it it hasn't made it through. I think there are some special interests who really don't want to be held liable for PFAS and PFAS products. Um, and so there's concern about liability there. I understand that. Um, but we've got to move ahead. We've got to set standards. We've got to do, um, make sure that our testing works, that we have the staff that can address this. Um, you know, the, the, when Governor Walker came in, they took scientists out of the DNR um, so that it just got gutted. They lost a lot of scientists. And so we've got to replace some of those people to deal with this issue. There's urgency here. We we just cannot wait. Um, and I think some legislators don't see it in their area, so they don't see the urgency. But guess what? This is what I told them. We have a study that shows how how many uh, PFAS, how many firefighters train with PFAS and have used PFAS because a large part of the federal government told them they had to. And so this is not just in these small pockets. This is all over our state. We've got to address it. I would say maybe uh, make it a mandate, a government uh, assembly and Senate mandate in, in Madison that they have to use bottled water for a week. They can't turn their sinks on. And then, and then try to, and then and maybe, maybe every, cause every, you take, you take advantage of this stuff, right? Sometimes my pipes get frozen or my, my faucet hasn't been working lately. So it doesn't work. Or when your electricity goes out and you flick out a light and you're like, oh yeah, it would just, it would be a real eye opener if they couldn't turn their faucets on. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and, and think about children, children in households and um, resale value of homes. Yeah, we've got to we've got to address this issue. Oh God, I haven't even thought about. It. Hey, kid, you can't drink out of you can't stick your mouth on the faucet and drink out of there. It's uh, got PFAS mm-hmm. in it. Um, last thing, and I only yeah. have a minute, and I wanted to get to this, but it's just kind of it's a little bit trolling. But the assemblies and the Republican introduced policing bills uh, that would help recruitment, and I don't think it's the the worst idea. And it's like something like give five thousand dollar bonuses for for uh, officers, new recruits, and two thousand dollars stay on bonuses after a year. Uh, can can you just propose some legislation, Jill, to exchange the word police for teachers? Because I feel like we have a teacher shortage and we're not addressing that. You're right. We do have a teacher shortage. Yes. Uh, since Act 10 uh, passed uh, 10 years ago, we've, we've lost a lot of teachers to retirement. Fewer people are going into the field. Um, you know, I value law enforcement here in La Crosse and across the state. Um, so, And I understand that that's a difficult job. It really is. And so, so I understand that. But I also understand that teachers have had a hard time during COVID. And I know that healthcare workers have had an incredibly difficult time. And so I think COVID has shown us that a lot of our essential workers, like police officers, teachers, healthcare workers, um, are working really hard and they're stressed right now. And I think people, some people going into the field are leaving, and I think some people are more reluctant to go into the field. The, the frustration for me is that you can tell this is election year when Republicans come up with this package uh, to fund law enforcement in this way that creates more bureaucracy. They don't fund it. They look, look at stimulus or, or ARPA funding that the governor has control of. 
Um, they don't have Republicans don't have control of that, but they do have control of the budget that goes to the legislature. And I will tell you, in the last two budgets that the governors proposed, Republicans have cut out shared revenue to municipalities and counties. Guess who pays our law enforcement, our sheriffs, our local? Uh, police officers. It's the municipalities and the counties. And they've been strapped and year after year after year. And when the governor put more money in the budget, the last two budgets, to help fund things like that, the Republicans took it out. We, they took out $50 million in the last two budgets. So let's look at La Crosse. Let's bring this in locally. For the city of La Crosse, we've lost, in the last two budgets, we've lost over a million $98,000 in shared revenue that should have, that could have gone to our municipalities to pay for law enforcement. There's another item also in the budget called um, payment for municipal services. Jill, I got a, that's when, you got like 15 oh, seconds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's just say that would have been a better way of funding law enforcement. If there was real will there, that's where it should have gone, not through this stuff that's made up during an election year that's not real, unfortunately, because they should be, you know, they should be supported. All right. That's Representative Joe Billings. Hey, thanks so much, Joe. Yeah, thank you very much. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Thanks again to Joe Billings for, for joining. And we'll do it again tomorrow.